Well, it's good to be here this morning, and may the grace and mercy of peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be upon each of us as we're here. Good to be here with fellow pilgrims, fellow travelers to glory. And uh, one of the songs that we sang this morning spoke about our zeal being inspired. And I uh, trust that uh, it's been that way for us, that our zeal to serve the Lord has been inspired and will continue to be that way as we look to the Word of God. God bless each of you for coming this morning. Thank you, Abe, and uh, joining us here. I believe it's pleasing to God when he sees his people gather together and seeking to worship him and uh, uh, encouraging one another. I need that. I uh, think you're human, probably need that too, need encouragement in your Christian journey. Titled the message this morning, Relating to Contemporary Christianity. Other than making... Uh, what sounds like, to me anyways, a quite a negative statement right in the beginning. Uh, I hope that we can, we can uh, get positive encouragement from the Word of God. The uh, sad and tragic part of the uh, times that we're living in I think of contemporary Christianity, there's about everything or anything out there under the name of Christianity that you desire. I think so, and if you don't, if you don't agree, I'm not sure where you've had your head. That's sad, it's tragic, about anything and everything that you desire can be found under the name of Christianity. But it's not my desire this morning. I have no intention uh, to be um, criticizing or degrading others who may not be where you and I are this morning or where other Christians are. But it is a message. This is a message that uh, I have for quite some time it's felt burdened on my heart felt like it's something I needed to, needed to get off of my chest, needed to, God would want me to preach on. I am, have not been able to condense it all into one message. I, I uh, was preaching this morning on it and probably a second message on it if the Lord tarries and lets me live couple reasons for this message. Uh, certainly want to continue to find direction in our lives as how to walk as the people of God. But uh, number one, I'm, I'm human. I've personally, I've struggled with, struggled with uh, my own personal experience. I've struggled with relating to these things not just recently, but probably ever since I've become a Christian, um, relating to others 
And when I say relating to contemporary Christianity, I am referring to um, those that may not be of our constituency. Um, specifically, you could say Shade Mountain here. And, uh, and uh, maybe our constituency and beyond that. As I mentioned, the title, Contemporary Christianity. So my own personal struggles and experience with this. Uh, I know what it's like. And I have uh, heard questions arise. Not only heard a few from uh, the congregations here, but it's always this, you know, those, those questions. Um, I've heard them arise from time to time from others. You know, how, do you re how do you relate to people? How do you relate to others who are not where you are? Um, maybe in your convictions and your understanding and so forth. Those are, those are good questions. I'm not one that likes to spend a lot of time with preliminaries before you get into the meat of a message, but I have a few here that I'd like to to uh, give us before we get into the meat of the message I want to be understood I beg of you to be understood this morning as uh, as I preach and want to stay with the word of God um, don't want to be wrongly understood and uh, wrongly taken I've been here at Shade Mountain now for almost 16 years. Um, I will say this to you, the church here, uh, hopefully you should know where I'm at doctrinally according to scripture by now. If you don't, there's shouldn't be any excuse. And I'm not here this morning, I'm not endorsing or promoting uh, I have no desire to promote an economic, ecumenical movement or an ecumenical thrust. Actually, I don't think I'm ecumenical. Uh, what I simply mean by that is embracing or you know, putting your arms around anything that names the name of Christ. And uh, just simply embracing that. I'm fully aware... I remind us here this morning, we heard of that, I believe, already, to agree that, that uh, not everyone that names the name of Christ, um, as Jesus said, that uh, Jesus said, we have the words of our Lord, said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. That's the condition. For any of us to gain entrance through that door into that eternal city. We're uh, having some very good lessons in our Sunday school presently there in John chapter 10. Where Jesus speaks about being the door. Matthew, in Matthew's gospel Jesus said, ye shall know them by their fruits. So simply saying that, not simply saying the right thing or the right things, having the right words, 
does not make one righteous. We can have all the right words, say the right things. Uh, maybe even do many good things. Which, it was a, which king was it that when he heard John the Baptist preach, did many things seem to appreciate him. But there was a cutting off point when he only went so far. So, just having the right words, I repeat, saying the right things does not make one righteous. Now, I realize some of those statements don't sound very positive either. I've said before, when I became a Christian, I verily thought that everyone that had the Holy Spirit basically would we'd all say the same thing, all believe the same thing, all be at the same place. And yeah, I just, as a young Christian coming to the Lord, I thought, why not? Why wouldn't you? If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't we all? be at the same place, have the same, same ideas and the same, uh, yeah, just uh, be at the same place. What I fail to realize, of course, as I should have, that we still have our carnality to deal with daily. We do. So that should not, we need not be confused by these things. And this very thing probably contributed to my own personal struggles over the years. I'm not here to preach this morning as one having all the answers. Scripture does. Find your answers here. And uh, yeah, we uh, help each other and point Scripture out in, uh, and, uh, in that way. But uh, there's not one of us that has all the answers. And uh, we say sometimes, refer to individuals saying, well, they have all the answers. He or she has all the answers. We need people like that. But unfortunately, they don't exist. There's only one that ever had all the answers. He's not with us this morning in body, but in spirit. And he's the one that we want to look to. Um, so I'm not here having all the answers in these but what I'd simply like to do this morning for the rest of our time here is give us some things to think about give us some things to consider just remind us this morning the overarching or underlying theme and principle of the church of Jesus Christ us individually, personally, as children of God, should be to bring, or is, not only should be, is to bring others into the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that it's given unto us the uh, ministry of reconciliation. It mentions it twice there. The second time it says the word of reconciliation. So, Remember that. That uh, should be the theme of, uh, or the underlying uh, desire and burden as we think of relating and relating to contemporary Christianity. Now, what am I saying about that? Does that mean that 
everyone not to be a member here at Shade Mountain? Well, we are not the elite group. Just part of the kingdom of God, part of Jesus Christ. But we ought to be able to say like Moses did their numbers to his in-laws when he said, come with us, we will do thee good. We ought to be any, wherever you are this morning, visitors all in your church, you ought to be able to say that. Come with us, we will do thee good. That invitation, that should be an invitation that we have to others. Jesus in his prayer there in John 17, one of the, one of the things of that prayer that always impresses me as I think of, of the church of Jesus Christ and the invitation and the ingathering of souls and the word of reconciliation and all the uh, things that scripture has to tell us there. Jesus said, we capture, we get a picture and we capture his burden there when he prayed that they all may be one. As he prayed to the Father, he said, Father, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It's a sign of the church of Jesus Christ. That's some of the fruit. That's fruit. All right, reading so much for the preliminaries, reading in Acts chapter 10 as the chief scripture reading for the message. I'll be reading in Acts chapter 10. I'll be reading the whole chapter. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now sent men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice 
spoke unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now when Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men were sent from Cornelius. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just, a just man that feareth God, And of good report among all the nations of the Jews, of all the nation of Jews was warned from God by an holy angel to sent for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And in the morning, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and, I, and the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, Thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Sent therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism with which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem and whom they slew and hanged in a tree. Him God raised up the third day, showed him openly. 
not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people, to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and the dead, to give him all the prophets. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all all them which heard the word. And And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. We know later on Peter was called on the carpet because he did what he did by the other, by a, by other believers and so forth, ones there in, in Jerusalem. They called Peter and Carpet for what he did there. But that's not the point. So, I'd like to focus on Peter here a little bit here for the rest of the message. So what do you think? That's a good story, isn't it? Yeah, Peter really needed that, didn't he? Well, yeah, he probably did. Because, you know, up until now, Peter had pretty much the idea it seemed like that stepping outside of the Jewish circle was just you know the Jews were God's chosen people Uh, they were entitled to the things of God Uh, you just didn't go out to the Gentiles so yeah Peter really needed that what about me what about you could we use a little of that Is that why it's in the scripture? Is it in there because it's a good story? And we see, yeah. We think Peter, that was was what Peter needed. Well, I believe, and I'll tell you this morning, that that story or that account was not only for Peter, but it's for all the people of God. And I think we can learn something from this. Um. If you're ever tempted to discount any scripture, just remember what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it goes on there and says it's profitable. It's, it's to teach us what to believe and how to do. There's a principle, there's a point in all scripture. And it's not scripture such as this account is not only written you know, so we have a, a good story or something to relate to. But it's for us. I believe it's, it's for us. I think we can learn from these things. I know I can. Uh, if you look at this scripture here, and I would like to say this, that we encourage us all to look at all scripture in that manner. When a preacher gets up and preaches, sometimes he'll tell a story or he'll, he'll uh, give an account or so forth. Some of them may be a little more amusing than others. I don't think preachers should try to be funny and make the people laugh. 
But sometimes there's accounts that, you know, they're amusing. We'll say things that are amusing and so forth. And, uh, but I think we need to be aware that that's, that, that that's not all we get out of it. There was this one, I was thinking especially of the one incident where this preacher related an account and uh, yeah, it, was, it was somewhat amusing and especially some of the young fellows, the young boys, they thought yeah, this was pretty funny. And even after services, they were still talking about this. They thought this was amusing, this account. Well, another brother overheard them and he said to the boys, he said, but, but what was the point? Everybody kind of got quiet and looked at each other and you know, if that's what our preaching is, then we've missed it. They missed the point. It just, you know, there's, there's a point there. We need to make sure. And so that's, I, I say that in regards to, you know, I look at this account. I think this, is inter- I think this is an interesting account, what happened to Peter. Certainly Peter needed that. But I think we need it today, too. I think we can learn from this. And that's when I say I remind you again that actually I don't think I'm ecumenical. But I think that, I know in the past, uh, you know, some of my ideas and some of my uh, thinking of, well, I mentioned earlier, I just thought everybody would think like I do. Why not? We have the Holy Spirit. All of us, why, why wouldn't we think the same thing? But you know, we have our carnality to deal with as well. Uh, But it's interesting that not only was this account uh, gave direction there as to to relate to Cornelius. I want to talk about Cornelius a little bit in the next message if the Lord tarries. But it's interesting to note that uh, in Acts 15, where we have what they call the Jerusalem Council, where they had that issue there where certain brethren had come and said to Paul and Barnabas, unless you're circumcised, unless these Gentile converts are circumcised, they, no way they, can, they can't get into the kingdom. They can't be part of us. You can have these people circumcised. And... Uh, you know, I'd seen Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they just couldn't resolve the matter. So they ended up going down to Jerusalem. But I always think it's interesting to note, as they counseled there, it says there, if we would take time to turn to Acts 15, it says, after there had been much disputing, a lot of, must have been a lot of rhetoric, a lot of talk going on, discussion about what to do. It says, Peter stood up, and he referred back to this account to what happened here. Peter stood up and gave his his, uh, divine inspiration account of what had happened back there. And then James, I believe it was, got up and he uh, seconded that. He said, you've heard what Peter said. And uh, uh, Peter referred back to this incident that had happened there. Uh, when they had their Jerusalem council there. And it seemed to help them to uh, resolve the issue and how to relate to the Gentile converts. It helped them find direction. And I think it's so for us today too. These accounts are for us too. 
Now, when you look at this account, have you noticed as we read here, it says here in uh, uh, verse 11 of chapter 10, when the heaven opened and, that, and a certain vessel descended, it says, as it had been a great, it says, as it had been a great sheet, a great sheet, Peter saw coming down there. And I would like to say that to me that implies there's a great harvest out there. On that sheet, well, I should bring some of the other things in here first. It says here there was a great sheet. And in that sheet, verse 12 said, there, uh, it consisted of all kinds of, yeah, four-footed beasts, and wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And a voice told Peter, Peter, rise and eat. Peter said, no, Lord, I, I can't. I couldn't do that. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And then verse 15, the voice said, don't call what God has cleansed. Don't call that unclean. I I just think there's, it says this was done thrice in verse 16. I just think there's a tremendous message in there. And a lesson, not only was it for Peter, you can say, yeah, yeah, Peter needed that too. I think we, I think we can use some of that too. I know I, I know I certainly have have needed that and still need it. One of the things is I go back again and say there's that great sheet to me represents that there's a great harvest out there. There's a great harvest out there. And uh, it consists of all kinds of people. Now I praise the Lord that over the last half of a century at least that the people of God here in the West in in the uh, you know, you can say the Mennonite churches, but there's a host of others, too, uh, that have been able to. They've been able to go out in other countries and other lands and other places and reach the unreached that had been the unreached before. People that, eh, ask me, they don't look very Mennonite to me and uh, don't certainly don't have Mennonite ways. And uh, what are you going to do with them? How are you going to handle them? How are you going to relate to them? teach them your Mennonite ways? Excuse me for, bear with me for using it, but I'm just trying to make a point. I think you understand. Are you going sh- to teach them your ways? Say, well, this, you've you got to listen. You've got to get on board here if you really want in. You've got to get on board here. I'm not talking about condoning sin and wrongdoings and things. There's, there's definitely a lot of that out there in darkness. But, uh, I think that uh, we need to see that, uh, like Peter did here, and you know Peter got in. Tr- well, I say he got in trouble. They accepted it, but he got called in the carpet, as we would say when he back back there in Jerusalem. They found out that he'd went out to those Gentile converts. Peter had some questions to answer to those people. Why did you do that? How? Don't you know better? You ought to know better. Peter should have known better than that. But Peter rehearsed the matter here, and he said, "Look." This is what happened. So yeah, Peter needed that. But what about us today? You think we could use that a little bit sometimes too? Now if we just want to have a little circle here where we're at, that's one thing. But if you're going to go out and reach the unreached in other countries, and I've had the privilege over the years to be involved in a number of of, uh, uh, missions in in, uh, other countries, 
it's an eye opener. It's a, it's a, it's a, does it sound right to say it's a game changer? It is in a sense, but it's not where we lay the principles of the word of God down. But there's more than one way to live or do things sometimes. And that's my point here, that, uh, yeah, you can stay away from those people. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, even, even in our land here, it's, uh, it's a pretty big adjustment if you're going to try to witness to people that are pretty much covered with tattoos and studs and rings and all those kind of things. What do you do? Just stay away from them. They'll never make a Mennonite. They'll never make They'll never fit in. How do you know? Can God not cleanse any heart? Can he not touch the hearts of any people? If he's touched my heart and if he's touched your heart, does that mean that we were, you know, we were kind of good enough or in the right circle where he could do that? When you get outside there, like it was here what Peter saw, why, I don't know. The message this morning, the point is that God can cleanse any heart. He really can do that. He can, he, can, he can do that. And my concern is this morning, I'd just like to make a couple points before I close here. My concern is this morning, and I want to, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm not trying to stack up credentials, but the reason I said I've been here for 16 years, you should know where I'm at doctrinally. You don't know where I'm at doctrinally. I didn't miss something. And uh, I'm not here to give an ecumenical thrust and say we put our arms around anything that mentions the name of Christ. That's not what I'm saying. But I repeat what I said first, which I feel was probably the most negative statement, that there's anything out there that you want out there. Is anything available? said already that in the West here we have we have buffet style Christianity. You can go along and you can kind of take whatever you want. What does the scripture say? What does it say? Reaching out as a church, as individuals is dangerous work. It is. I'm not talking about physically so much. Now it can be if you'd be over in Ukraine right now or some of those other countries, they, yeah, it's physically. But it's dangerous spiritually from the aspect of being deceived and misled and uh, changing your mind about a lot of things. It happens. It's happened often. Missionaries went out in the field and, and uh, certainly changed their mind about things. I think there's a place for that. I think we probably get some mind changes when we're, we're on the mission field, but never deviate from the principle of the word of God. Remember, we're here because we have a ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, of bringing people to God. That's the key. That's the underlying theme. That's the principle that... Uh, that was there. 
And the Lord was, Lord taught Peter a lesson, I'm sure. But as we look on, if we go on through the epistles, we know, for example, there in Galatians, Peter still struggled with some things that Paul called his attention to. So um, we have that to contend with. My concern and my point in, the, in this message this morning is, first of all, that, you know, we, uh, we look at Scripture and we make sure that our standing with God is according to Scripture. And yet, on the other hand, we can learn. We're not only the elite group. And I'll give you this scripture to remember, probably know it well. The disciples faced this when the Lord was here on earth. We read that in Luke, and I think in Mark records it too in his gospel. Um, and it's in the context of greatness, who's great, or I think is right in that context. I believe I'm right in that. So John said to Jesus, he mentioned specifically John, he said, hey, you know, when we were out there, we saw someone casting out devils in your name, and we told him to stop it. That's what it says in the King James Version, but if you look at other translations, basically what they did, John said, we forbade him to do that. So he said, stop it, because he wasn't one of us. That's what John said. He said, Jesus, he said, we told him to stop because he wasn't one of us. Do you know what the Lord's answer was? I think we do. Jesus said, don't, don't forbade him. Don't stop him. For he that is not against us is for us. So, you know, there, there's, there's room there outside of just my thinking and your thinking sometimes. Uh, aren't we like that a lot? Sure. I refer back to what I said earlier. We should all, we should, we should be able to say what Moses did to his in-laws. Come with us. We will do thee good. But the point is not to see how many people we, or how large we can build the church here at Shade Mountain or wherever your congregation is. But it's, again, it's to bring people into the kingdom of God. And in this generation... As we relate to contemporary Christianity, it's dangerous work. It is dangerous work. Because what are you going to do with others who name the name of Christ? And you see them, frankly, in practices that you always taught. You don't do it that way or that's not where we're at and so forth. Well, I'll just give you this. If you remember nothing else from this message or the next message, if the Lord tarries, if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this. The call of God on our lives, on me personally and you personally, if you're a child of God, is to walk according to the light of the gospel that the Holy Spirit, the people of God, has revealed to you. That I believe that's essential that we do that. I know essential is a pretty strong word, but I believe it is. We are called to walk according to the light of the gospel that God has revealed to us. We are not called to look around or compare what others may be doing and say, well, 
I guess if it's all right for them, then it's all right for me too. It's dangerous. You don't do that. Don't do that. Remember, we're called. They may not have had the teaching and the revelation. They may not have had the spiritual growth. Praise the Lord. If you've grown spiritually, I trust you have. If you haven't since your conversion, then you're probably dying. And so we need to walk according to the spiritual growth. We need to walk according to the light that God has showed us and revealed to us. The Bible says, quench not the spirit. We don't look around and say, well, what always contemporary Christianity doing? That's, we leave that in God's hands, okay? We leave that in God's hands. But we are called. Again, I emphasize, if you don't remember anything else, remember that you are called to walk according to the light of the gospel that has been revealed to you. Let's kneel for prayer.